Welcome back to the Ride Boundless Podcast, the podcast where we explore the intersections of motorcycles, adventures, and creativity. Today, we are thrilled to have a returning guest, Papa Juan, the former Navy helicopter pilot turned meme king. If you missed his first appearance on the show, you won't want to miss this one. We'll be asking Papa Juan 10 intriguing questions about his time in the military, his creative process, and his outlook on life. Plus, we'll be sharing 10 fun facts about military, motorcycles, and social media that you won't want to miss. As always, we're proud to have Ride Clean as the official sponsor of the Ride Boundless podcast. Ride Clean is an all-in-one wash, wax, and sealer. Simply shake, spray, and wipe, and you are done. Get a mirror-like shine made in the U.S., filled in the U.S., shipped from the U.S. Check them out at rideclean.co. Use promo code RBPODCAST for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, Papa Juan just took some bottles. He has a three-week journey coming up, and we'll be talking about that on a live stream on Instagram, so make sure to check that out. Be sure to check out rideboundless.net for updates, blogs, events, and more. Now, let's dive into the conversation with Mr. Papa Juan, a.k.a. Meme King. Papa Juan, how we doing, man? Thank Good you buddy. for coming out. Dude, I'm so honored to be here. Dude, it's it's uh, it was an honor to have you last time. It's an honor to have you again. Three hours, huh? Yeah. Just about? No big deal. A little rain. A little Spring- cold. A few sprinkles. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Got motorcycles. We ride them. What'd you, so, uh, what'd you yeah. ride today? I got the Dyna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What year? It is a uh, 17 lowrider. Yeah. I bought a brand new right after, after I retired from the Navy. You know, I was like trying to figure out what the hell to do with myself. And, and, uh, you know, I was like, all right, I'm not flying right now. What, what can I do to kind of fill that void? I'm like, well, fuck, I'll go buy a Harley Davidson. Fucking That's the most logical thing to do, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me about it. Um, I, I haven't seen, I, I personally haven't seen that, that color match or that color scheme. Yeah. No, that, that's a stock. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's funny when I went down to, to look at the bikes, I was looking, you know, in my head, I was just going to get a black, you know, a black yeah. Dyna. And, uh, nobody does that. And right. Exactly. And so I'm looking around and there's, there's like some reddish colors and some, you know, the black and red and, and, uh, a blue, uh, blue one. And I saw this one and I'm like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Um, and, and I was like, all right, yeah, I kind of like this one. So I don't know if it was like, recently out of the navy and you know all the helicopters are gray the ships are gray so i was just like attracted to the stupid gray and after i bought it i struggled with it for for like a year or two like like why did i get a gray bike like this is stupid and i thought about painting it blacking it out a few times and i'm so glad i didn't and then i was just i was like trying to black things out you know so i had a lot of things that I was put, you know, when I was changing it from stock stuff, it was kind of black. And then, and then I was like, you know what? No, like the Chrome is cool. Like, let me embrace the Chrome. So that's when I started changing everything back to, to Chrome. And I love it now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with it. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass. It is a fucking sick bike. Yeah. Uh, when, when I worked for Harley years and years and years ago, I wasn't a fan of those mags. Yeah, you know, and, and now like they're so sick. They're they are. so OG. yeah, it's kind of grown on me. Yeah, all of that stuff and and uh, everything about it. Yeah, and so this last year I rebuilt the motor. There's an SNS 110 kit in there. 
Uh, it's got the Woods 777 cam, some fueling parts in there. Uh, yeah, like it just, now it just, it just fucking rips. I, I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the fun one. You know, I get on that when I want to disrespect some streets as opposed to the back where I'm just kind of cruising. What what else what what else did you do to it? Yeah, it? Inverted front end? No, no, no. No, that's still the stock front end. That's stock? Yeah, that's still the stock front end. Uh, you know, the fairing, I had it paint matched. Rotors. Uh, yeah, the pipe. rotors, pipe. Lift. Uh, yeah, it's lifted. It's like What do you have it at 14? Uh, no, a little. I'm not a super tall guy. So, uh, I think it's at like 13 and a half ish, something like that. Yeah. And so little can be on tippy toes every now and then. Really? Uh, yeah. And I've got a, I've got the two over front end, but I'm not using all two of that again. Like I just can't now that I've gotten kind of used to it. I think I could have gone a little bit higher and, you know, but at first I was like, I'm not going to be able to reach the ground. This is crazy. Yeah. But I think I can get a little bit more out of it, but it's fun right the, now. The, I only, just, the only time that I, I try to explain people, you know, uh, because of our height, the only time that you have an issue of, of moving your bike around is is realistically when you're just backing it backing up. Backing it up. That's, That's it. it. And 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 you learn I've learned that I fucking get to my destination, put on a kickstand, jump off, and move with my hands. Yeah. You know, nice and easy, especially with the BMW, because yeah, the BMW is tall. Yeah. And the BMW has three settings. It has tall, automatic, and short. Yeah. I put it on short, but the the amount of ride quality goes to shit when I'm, you're down I'm talking about you're scraping you're, my, my foot's touching on turns yeah uh the suspension hits like i did that for like a week and i was like dude yeah, this forget just it. turned into shit yeah automatic's cool yeah tall is like so retarded does it does automatic so it'll adjust like when you come to a stop it'll kind of lower no, automatic like depending on on the road and how oh, fast okay. and uh, if yeah. you're taking a turn versus if you're going on a long ride yeah. uh if you're on stop and go traffic right but not necessarily automatic like that would be cool yeah that would be Amazing. That would be cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, I agree 100. percent It's backing up. So whenever I go somewhere and I go to park, I'm always thinking like, all right, how am I going to park this thing, and how am I going to get out, out, get it out of here? Because you know, like I've been stuck a few times, and my ego, it might be a kind of a big ego at times, but I'm not too proud to ask for help to push my bike around. Like yeah. I, I learned that a long time I, ago. I, I like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and struggle and slip and drop the bike and I, I be even more I, I, embarrassed. I, I, like, I hey, bro, can you help me out? I'll, I'll ask a total stranger. Yeah. Like, like, dude, I'm stuck. Can you give me a push? So and they laugh. And like, I, I gotta tell straight. you this because this just happened this weekend. Uh, you've been at Cold Springs Tavern. Yeah. Okay. So I ride up yeah, there. Almost I'm, got stuck there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went up there and I took a group of like seven of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that post. That looked rad. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, but when I pulled in, you know, it was extra packed and mm -hmm. I just rode up the hill. And when I got to the top, there was a car and it was just covered in bikers. And I'm on the BMW. Yeah. So I get to the top and I'm like, oh, let's oh. just fucking leave it here. Oh, shit. But I'm on the far left. So when I put the kickstand down, it's, it won't, it won't, it's going to tip over. Yeah. So then all these bikers are like, hey, that's a pretty bad parking space. I'm like, it's all good, bro. Right. So then I, 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 I first thing I did was drop the suspension. You know, yeah. I was like, right. Nobody okay, will notice. I, I got some control <laughs> yeah. here, right? Fucking get off him. And then I put on the kickstand and I started kind of like weaving it. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, little by little, I accidentally, I didn't even plan it. But little by little, I'm like, oh, shit. I, I completely did a 180. 80. On the kickstand? On the kickstand. Yeah. Left it on gear. And they're like pretty good dude i'm like fuck yeah dude yeah i had no idea what the fuck i did not plan that yeah but, it you just know, happened it just happened yeah. but, you know, but but lowering the suspension was a big one yeah um and then the other thing that i i learned i had to learn because i've always had harleys yeah 
Harleys, you put the kickstand down, once it lays over, it, it stays. Yeah. Every other bike doesn't do that. Yeah. It's it's like I, I one time put my BMW on the downhill. I put you know, I was so used to leave it on neutral that it almost fell and I had to catch it. Really? And I was like, Oh, yeah, this doesn't do that. Scary, so, you yeah. know, whatever. So the point is, uh, when you're in those situations, leave it in gear. Yeah. And if you can drop your suspension, <laughs> right. drop your fucking suspension. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, I'm I I I definitely love this bike. There's been a few times where I thought about getting rid of it or you know no i'm way. like there's no way it's i'll, I'll never get rid of that so bike cool. there's it doesn't take up all that much room in the garage so it's it's so, yeah it's, it's, it's good it's out there it's filthy now if only i knew somebody that had some cool. something to clean it yeah, with. yeah i got you man <laughs> you know i got you right clean this episode is brought to you by right clean yes, check sir. them out at rightclean.co <laughs> that's right um yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll definitely set you up yeah the the uh i was telling you outside my my bike that I had that I regret getting rid of was my FXT XT yeah. 2003 100th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Gunmetal yeah. blue. Okay. Fuck man. And, and, and same thing. I didn't like the blue. I didn't like the chrome right. and I started blacking out certain things, yeah. but like, dude, that bike was fucking sick. Yeah. The story on that was, it's a good story. The story on that was my, my firstborn, uh, he's he just turned 14. Okay. My firstborn was about to be born. Yeah. He was going to be born. Pretty like standard. A, Here we yeah, go. <laughs> a, a week and a half in, right? Yeah. And I had a road glide, but mm-hmm. I had a road glide. This is 2009. So before road glides were really cool, yeah. you know, like the tall windshield yeah. and all that. Yeah. So Clockworks used to go to the dealership where I was at and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we want to do a new shield. So they did this new shield and it was like looking good. Yeah. Kevin James, Kings of Queens. Yeah. He comes in. I don't know. I've said this story a million times. I don't know if you've heard it, but yeah. he comes into the dealer and he says, um, he's all, Hey, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to do a film or something in Boston, but I want to ride out there. Cause it's like in two, three months and I'm going to have a, my RV and blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm taking a Dyna fat Bob, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dean and I are like, why would you do that, bro? You need, you need something like, like this, like a bagger like this, yeah. you know? And he's like, well, what's that? And oh, that's my road glide. He goes, I'll take this. We're like, no way, dude. We're, that, that's not for sale. <laughs> My son's going to be born next week. If I don't have a bike before this, yeah. it, it's going to cause issues. Yeah. He's like, but I really like this. And yeah. uh, Tough luck. Anyways, long story short, three hours later, I was in it probably 17 and change. Uh, 17, yeah, whatever. It, it doesn't, I may even cut this out because I'm trying to get him on. <laughs> He's like, hey, dude, I, I, I want this bike. Yeah. Everything I, has a price. I, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I want. It. I was like, dude, I can't sell it. Yeah. I walk away. My buddy Dean, uh, Dean Del Rey, he comes up to me like ten minutes later. He goes, he'll cut you a check for thirty grand. So like, here you go. Here you go. Here's the keys. Sold. And then, uh, and then I was like, score right. And then um, Dean calls me up again. You know, we, we used to work together. And uh, he goes, dude, uh, the guys from Glendale just sold an FXDXT to this uh, fancy attorney. Oh God. The guy just spent like. 10 grand on him. Yeah. Okay. And now he's just selling it for change. It's just sat there for like a year or two. Yeah. Or a few years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Cause it only had like 5,000 miles. Right. Thing performance machine, 16 right. inch uh, floating rotors, uh, super trap, uh, pipe, uh, the, the Corbin gunfighter seat. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fuck it. I pick it up for 12 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I get that bike. And then this was before you had all these companies offering customizations. There right. wasn't many. So yeah. I, I, I literally took the risers from the night train. Uh-huh. You know, they were like 11 inch. Like, right. you can't find risers. So yeah. I took them off That's this bike. That's crazy. <laughs> it's like, 
risers are everywhere now, and you couldn't dude, find risers. Yeah, dude, there was crazy. there was a time where it was like a handful. Like there wasn't even a com- there was a company called Custom Chrome because nobody was making Chrome parts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, there was just a handful of companies. Now it's like yeah. everybody's machining and making everything. Right. Yeah. You know, but it was more expensive, and then you didn't know about the quality. Right. You know, yeah, like I, I was riding with an old buddy of mine, Mike Beach, and when we went out, he's like, he hasn't ridden. He's an actor. And he hasn't ridden in a while. He's got seven kids. Yeah. And when we rode, like, last year, he's like, look at all these bikes. bikes. Look at these customizations. <laughs> right? It's insane. Anyways, yeah. I, I, I missed the fucking bike is yeah. my point. Yeah. Divorce is a yeah. bullshit. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I get into the questions that I was going to ask you here. Yeah. What is your favorite bike that you've owned? Uh. You know, I got, it's probably this one. Like it's, you know, this was the one that really got me going again and, and reinvigorated my, my passion for riding. I don't remember if I mentioned this the last time we talked, but I kind of grew up on the back of my mom's bike. So my mom rode and she had like a Honda CB 550 or something like that, you know, with some Samsonite bags on it. Super dope. Um, That's so sick, man. I love and we stories. used to we used to ride. My my stepdad rode. You know, the family had a club at the time, and and uh, yeah. So an I'm MC in club or yeah, yeah. Club? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, an MC. And uh, yeah, so we used to just ride all the time, and I was always on the back of her bike, and and uh, you know, so I was little, um, you know. So I mean, I just my best memories as a kid were those. You know, and uh, so I go through the Navy, you know, I'm in the military forever and, and it's just in the military, it's such a pain in the ass to, to have a motorcycle. Like they just, they just make it next to impossible. You know, they make it miserable. And so I, and I was busy deploying all the time. So I, I didn't really have the desire, but as soon as I retired, I'm like, all right, it's time, you know, it's time to get back on this thing. And that that's when I got. And so it just kind of reinvigorated everything. So yeah, that's the one. And. It's not going anywhere. Is it true that they, for the Marines, they highly encourage them not to get motorcycles? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, things are discouraged. Yeah. I mean, there's, you have to But, go but for the Marines, it was like, like, like it, you, you're not even allowed to, because there was yeah. more Marines killing themselves on motorcycle accidents than like yeah. in war. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the, the young Marine kids. The standard thing is for them to go out and get a, crazy sport bike and yeah go rip down the the five you know and, a million and, miles an and, hour and kill themselves yeah that's that's pretty common um yeah i mean the military in general they discourage it you know they make it very difficult make it difficult to get on base riding it you know you've got to wear all kinds of extra stuff and uh you know but guys are still doing it you know that's yeah. it just wasn't my thing at the time but yeah it's not uh it's not uh yeah, and I as you know, I was an officer. I had all kinds of junior enlisted kids that were that uh, worked for me, and yeah, I was the same thing. You know, I'd get the pressure from up high, like all these kids riding the bikes, and you know, so I'd you know, shit rolled downhill, and I was like, dude, why are you riding that thing all the time? Like you know, so it's yeah. we called that intrusive leadership. Like you got to be in way in deep in people's lives, and that that was an easy one. Like 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 you know, kid, you don't have any business riding that bike. You know, it was. Now, definitely frowned upon. You you made it uh, to to an officer. Yeah, 
yeah. admitted to officer, yeah. but you, you did it the traditional way. You didn't do any ROTC or JROTCs or no, I was university or anything. I, I was technically, I was enlisted for a little bit going through finishing up uh, college. And then as soon as the program that I went through was pretty unique, I don't think it exists anymore. They called it back then. What did they call it? The uh, baccalaureate degree completion program. So when I, when I got accepted to that and I signed a contract, the contract already said that I had a guaranteed slot in flight school so long as I made it through officer candidate school and so long as I passed all the medical stuff to, to go. Uh, you know, so I had all to go. All requirements. Yeah. And so, you know, before I even showed up for officer candidate school, they flew us out to Pensacola to go through NAMI, Naval Aviation Medical Institute or something like that. Uh, and they put you through just like, you know, I mean, they're poking you all over the place, testing everything that they can find. Cause you know, there, there's more people that want to do it than, than they need. So they're always just looking for an excuse to, to get rid of you. Um, you know, so I knew going in once I passed. Yeah. And I knew going into that, once I got past that, you know, past the medical portion, I'm like, well, there's no, you know. I'll pass everything else. I'm not worried about that. So then, uh, you know, so, so yeah, I, I signed that contract and knew before, you know, before I even really started everything that I had a guaranteed slot in flight school, which isn't normal for the ROTC kids, the Naval Academy kids, you know, they've got to get all the way through all that. And then, um, you know, in the last year of school, then they get to, try to select what they want and you know you could from day one like all right all i want to do is be a pilot and then like "Ah, we don't need that many so you're gonna go drive a ship instead yeah and you don't have any choice like you got to do it and uh so yeah that's it yeah no i could not imagine (laughs) like there's no way you know the the standard answer going through all the interviews, uh, you know, to get accepted in this program was, you know, what's your, what's your main goal? What do you, I just want to be a Naval officer, sir. Like I just want to serve, you know, and everybody knows like bullshit, you know, like I want to be a pilot or I want to, you know, whatever it is you really want to do. That's what you're, you know, but the standard answer is I want to be a Naval officer. Is it true? uh, I've heard the statement that if you want to be a pilot, you have a better chance of being a pilot in the Navy than in any other force. Including the Air Force. Because um, a lot of people from the Air Force tend uh, to get different degrees and go to NASA. I don't know. I mean, the the selection rates are pretty low all the way across the board. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I know lots and lots of people that tried and didn't get to do it. And But would you say, uh, let me rephrase the question, would you say you have a better chance in the Air Force to fly something versus in the Navy? Uh, yeah, I mean, cause the air force is pretty much all, you know, a lot of flying. I mean, I, I think the army, uh, you know, I mean, you don't even have to be, you don't have to have a college degree in the army. You can go in as a warrant officer, uh, and fly there, you know, and, and, you know, so there's a lot more of them there, but I don't know that for sure. I mean, the army guys that I know are pretty dumb. So yeah, army guys are dumb. So 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 yeah, I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the case. I know that it was, uh, you know, I know lots of guys that didn't make it through medical. A lot of guys that didn't make you know every step of the way. You would just see people like 
yeah. getting kicked out. Diverting getting, or getting kicked getting out. Getting kicked or, out. And like, or they okay. hit their four years and get the fuck out. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, it, uh, there was nothing easy about it. That's for sure. Yeah. No, no. And I'm not saying there was. Yeah. Uh, let, let's come up. Uh, we were talking about ChatGBT. And I'm yeah. You how fucking impressive Dude. this artificial intelligence is. Yeah. From what I showed you, what'd you think of that? Dude, I am just blown away. Like, this is, it's kind of scary. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, I mean, what I, I showed you is nothing, dude. Yeah, like what people are using this for is insane. Yeah, I there there's a there's another AI where you can write a script with this one, mm-hmm. and the other AI will uh, talk it. Yeah, you could choose the voice and the personality and the face, dude. I created a um, I created a presentation for for a client uh, presenting a technology that they were offering. And they're like, ah, oh, we don't want, you know, no brands or no names, whatever. Anyways, long story short, yeah. I put a model, a script, a <laughs> face along with the video they sent me and the models like describing, but that's nobody. Right. And, and I was thinking, holy shit, man, this would have taken uh, a casting call. Right. Uh, four or five people reading it. Maybe writers. I still wouldn't have writers for the script. Uh, the introduction voiceover. Yeah, it, it's it's and it was like twenty minutes, half an hour, maybe. Yeah, on this website, that's in that's insane. That's insane. So yeah. right now we put uh, ten questions I can ask Papa Juan, the meme king and former Navy helicopter pilot, for the Ride Balance podcast. Yeah. So question number one: What inspired you to become a Navy helicopter pilot, and how did you get started in that field? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So I get this question all the time like okay you know did you always want to be a helicopter pilot and and so so i knew when i was pretty young that i wanted to be a pilot um you know i mean top gun was out i i freely admit this all the time it was top gun you know early 80s that's what that's what inspired me so there was no other no other option i wasn't going to go in the air force i wasn't you know iron eagle whatever that movie was okay but it was no top gun iron one exactly <laughs> Air Force, whatever. Uh, so I knew that was that was you know like I caught that bug and there was no there was no going back. I started flying when I was fifteen uh, down in San Diego. I soloed uh, at the time. You had to be fifteen and a half to solo, and I think I soloed shortly after fifteen and a half, right around sixteen or so. Um, so I was flying down there a bunch, and I just knew you know I knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I took a few detours. I think we talked about it on the last show. I was a stockbroker for a few years in San Francisco and yeah. then, then kind of came back and, and remembered how much I love to fly and that that's really what I wanted to do. Um, you know, but you say going in, what inspired you to be a helicopter pilot? Nobody, nobody becomes a Navy pilot to be a helicopter pilot. If anybody's telling you that they're so they're full of shit. Like, we all go in and we want to fly the jets. That's what we want to do. And then, yeah. you know, some of us, we're just not the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah. And, you know, and we're too stubborn to quit, you know, and we're smart enough to make it through. And they're like, all right, well, here's your consolation prize. You get your wings, but you got to go fly this thing. And it, uh, no, I mean, it turned out awesome. I, I, I think, excuse me, I think my personality, certainly, you know, the helicopter flying was the best fit you know like I, I i have lots of friends that are jet pilots and stuff and you know their personalities and i like i a lot of times it's like dude i don't like you right now yeah like you know guys on you're on the aircraft carrier what, 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 what was it what was it it's just you know and i people will chuckle 
when I say, you know, their egos are too big, you know, and, you know, they'll be like, well, your egos, you know, but like you have no idea how big these egos can get. Yeah. It's just, it, it's over the top and, and the intensity level and, uh, you know, the seriousness of it. I mean, it's all very serious, uh, you know, but us helicopter guys, we're able to kind of know when to turn it on, know when to turn it off. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, so it's in my, all of my experience, you know, there were a handful of the, of the jet guys that could do that, turn it on, turn it off, be kind of, be kind of normal. But I think for the most part, you know, just a little too intense for me. Yeah. So did you ever get a chance to fly it once? Uh, no, 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 never was never been in a jet. So, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, my brain works really well at, at about 120 miles an hour. It's, you know, riding a motorcycle around that same and helicopter flying it, you know, so it works out well. Like I can, dude, I, I can, I, anything I, above that, I probably start getting lost. I, I, I'll tell you this, man. I fucking love helicopters. Yeah. I'm sure I've told, I've, I've said it so many times. I love helicopters. Yeah. I'll drive and I hear a helicopter. I'm like, fuck, man, yeah. like, that's a cool fucking helicopter. I don't even care if it's a small one. I'm like, I, I want that. Yeah. I, I love helicopters. Yeah. So he, funny story about that. So I started flying again back in September, October. You know, I was sitting around. I was like, you know, I, I, you know, I would joke around. People would ask me like, okay, why are you riding so much? It's like, well, I'm just trying to fill a void from the flying. I miss, you know, I think I miss the flying. And then it occurred to me last fall, I'm like, well, why are you trying to fill a void for something that you can still do? Right. And so I just, I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to start flying helicopters again, but helicopters are super, you know, stupid expensive. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go rent some small planes, just get used to flying again, used to the being in the air traffic system and the radio calls and all that kind of stuff. And I started flying. I'm like, man, this is rad. Like, I forgot how much I love to fly fixed wing planes. Like, this is super cool. And uh, so I flew, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 hours in the in small planes. And then I was finally able to get on the schedule for the helicopter. There's a helicopter school there in San Diego as well. There's only one. So not a whole lot of, you know, it, it took a little while before they'd say, okay, we've got time for you to go in there. And so I go and it's, you know, like this little rinky Robinson R22 thing. Like literally you can move it with one hand. Like on the ground, yeah, you put it on the wheel. On the, you know, it's got some wheels that you put on the skids, and you just push down on the back of it, and you can just move the thing. I mean, it's tiny; it's a joke. Yeah. And uh, two, two seater, yeah. yeah, tiny two seater. You know, so like tight, uh, yeah. And you know, I'm not a big guy, and it's still kind of snug in there. And uh, so I'm, you know, I go flying around the first day, like, okay, this is rad. Like, yeah, I miss this. It was fun hovering around, doing some auto rotations you know, spinning circles around the ground and stuff. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And then came back uh, a day or two later, did it again. And then, uh, and then the third day I'm in there and I remember I'm sitting like we'd flown around a little bit, done some of the hover stuff. And, you know, it took me maybe 15 minutes to get back to like holding you know, normal hover and being able to do everything. Um, 15 minutes into the very first flight. So like it is like riding a bike, like it came back very quickly. And so after that third flight or I'm sitting there in the middle of that third flight and I'm looking around and I'm like, dude, this is fucking boring. <laughs> like yeah. I was bored. Really? No kidding. I was bored. And so 
Like we were supposed to be flying around for like an hour and a half that day. And about 45 minutes into it, I'm like, all right, man, I'm good. Like we can go back. That's, you know, I'm good for today. And I, so I remember, so I, I, I got out of there and I was sitting in my car and I, it was bugging me. Like, why, why, why were you bored? Like it was really bothering me. Like, and, uh, and so I sat there for a little while and I just realized it. I came to the, the realization that there is nothing that I can do in a civilian helicopter stateside that would come anywhere near yeah. what I did, you know, in combat in a Black Hawk, you know, loaded up with 12 Green Berets in the back or SEALs, or, you know, just doing all the real stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, there's. Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to fly, you know, be a, uh, a medical transport? I'm like, no, like that's, you know, no, I was bored. And I was like, you know what? That's it. So yeah, you went from like, no, being the law, no regulations. Yeah. I, I guess a helicopter cop, but even that would just spotlight. Not like, yeah. Not even that. Like it's, you know, the, the excitement of, of everything we did, you know, in those combat situations, like there's no way. And in the back of my mind, so, and I know my personality, I know that over time I would start pushing the limits, you know, and probably just get myself in trouble <laughs> again. Yeah. You know, so I was like, you know, that's it. I'm going to stick to the fixed wing flying. And I was flying, doing that a bunch more and seriously contemplated going to the airlines and, you know, I actually, you know, started going through the process with an airline and had, had an interview set up and, and, uh, I went to a convention, uh, an airline convention out in Palm Springs and I'm just walking around and talking to people and I'm like, same thing. Like, like man, I don't really like most of these people. <laughs> like, what am I doing? This is not, this is not for me. And, uh, so, and again, I struggled with that for a little bit, like, you know, so what are you going to do? Uh, you know, so I just put it on hold a little bit and, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Like I have some ideas of what I want to do. I will probably after the summer writing season and stuff, I'll, I, you know, I might just go back and be a flight instructor, you know, yeah. a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's, it's just really hard to, um, you know, knowing everything that in the military you get to do, in these aircraft than to come back into the civilian world. It's, it's, you know, it's different. And no, I, I could imagine. So that. I like, like for me, I, I see a helicopter. I'm like, Oh my God, I want that. Cause it's so much freedom. Cause I've, I've been in a helicopter twice. Yeah. You know, and it's like, all right, one time was really fun. Like the guy was so fucking, he's like, dude, you want a wild ride? I was right. like, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah, let's go. He got fired two years later. Yeah, right, right. exactly. <laughs> See, that would be we, me. We, we flew over the mountains. Right, that like would be me. Almost touching the water. Yeah, I'd, I would get an FAA flight violation. That would, that's, that's what would end up happening to me. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, and that's what happened to this guy. But like, and I also have to admit most of the times that I, I, I really like, I'm looking at a fucking helicopter like, oh, I am sitting in traffic. Too. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I am fucking like, this traffic so, oh, oh my God, God bro, take me, you know, yeah. so it, it looks like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was the most memorable experience serving in the Navy, both in terms of positive and negative yeah. moments? I, um, so I've told this, so positive, uh, I, you know, it's probably the same time frame as, is, 
the most positive and negative. So I, I've mentioned many times, you know, I've done a few combat tours in Iraq, um, seen some really nasty shit there. Uh, it was the highlight, you know, the, the pinnacle of anything you can do on a military helicopter, you know, like that's, that's what we trained to do. Got to go do it. It was great, you know, and, uh, but the, the, the time frame that sticks in my head the most was actually after I came out of my last, uh, we were taking the uh, aircraft carrier Ronald Reagan from Virginia from the East Coast, and we sailed it all the way around the tip of South America, or actually through the Straits of Magellan, and then up, and it was relocated uh, on the West Coast in San Diego. Um, so we flew some helicopters across all the way across country to, to get to Virginia, get on the aircraft carrier. And then, uh, you know, then it was just going to be kind of a, you know, a pleasure cruise going, you know, all the way through Latin America, which was, you know, it was going to be rad. Um, you know, but a lot of us were pretty smoked because we had done, uh, you know, lots of, time preparing to go to Iraq the last time and then pretty intense time in Iraq and came back and the turnaround time to go do this, you know, I was home for, I don't know, a few months or something like that. And then it was, you know, time to go. And, uh, um, you know, so we were all pretty smoked, but we're like, okay, this, we're going to make the best of it. This will be all right. So we're sitting, uh, we're on the ship, uh, it's January, I think it's January 10th, 2010. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, some commotion around the officer's spaces, you know, on the ship. It's, you know, it's a huge ship, but the officer-only kind of spaces aren't that big. And I remember just a lot of commotion. Uh, and then uh, then there's a, a call uh, over the 1MC, the ship's uh, intercom system. Intercom system you know, telling me and a couple of other people to report to this certain space. Um, and so we go report and, uh, you know, CAG, who's in charge of all of the aircraft, uh, the air wing on board, the aircraft carriers there, the captain of the ship and, and all the squadron COs. And I was a department at the head at the time. So all the operations officers and, you know, like all the main leadership for, for, uh, for the ship and the air wing at the time, we're all in this, we're all in this space. And Intel, like the main Intel guy, starts giving, talking about, you know, all right, there's this massive earthquake in Haiti. Um, and uh, so we're leaving, you know, ship is making preparations as we speak. And we're going to, we're going to make best speed to get down to, get down to Haiti. And uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do the relief. And so then they look over, at us helicopter guys and they're like, all right, you know, this is going to be, this is, this is a helicopter show. So, you know, start figuring it out basically. And, uh, so, I mean, it worked out the timing, you know, couldn't have been better. I still had, uh, some of my, you know, best junior officers there with me and, and, uh, the senior guys that flew in Iraq, we were all still there. So, so being able to go somewhere unfamiliar and set up an air system, you know, to be able to coordinate all this kind of stuff, it was like, it's like, that's what we did before every op in Iraq. Like, this is easy, yeah. you know, so one of my... That's what you were trained to do. Yeah, and so one of my 
senior uh, junior pilot guys with me just immediately went into action, set up this whole air system plan. And, you know, that was before the ship even uh, pulled anchor and, and got underway. Um, but uh, I remember, you know, and I still don't know the exact speed of what an aircraft carrier can do. Uh, you know, they say that they go really, really fast. And uh, so we we made it from Virginia, uh, from... Yeah, from Virginia down to Haiti. I want to say, I mean, in like, it seemed like it was a day, maybe. Like, we were fucking flying. You know, the ship is is just shaking the whole time, and we're just, we are, we are moving. Uh, so in that time, you know, we're making preparations with the aircraft. We're taking all the non-essential stuff, equipment and stuff out of the aircraft so we'd have nothing but space. Um and so we get there, and I remember it was, you know, sunrise came up, and we're in the bay uh, outside of uh, Port-au-Prince. And I was like, all right, it's time to go. So uh, it was the, the CO and, and one of the other senior, uh, senior pilots, another department head in one aircraft, me and my, like, sidekick senior uh, lieutenant, in another aircraft and uh and we launched and uh, we were the first u.s helicopters to come across the beach in haiti oh. to start all of that and and that's a a sight and a smell that will never never leave me because i mean it was you know it was a massive earthquake i'm sure you know their their yeah. infrastructure there was Terrible. It's terrible to begin with. So oh, it's I fucked mean, up because they get hurricanes and yeah. they get earthquakes. Yeah. And it's like, how do you construct? And so, I mean, everything was just, you know, in complete ruins. There's fire, smoke. You know, it was just absolute chaos. And uh, so we go in, uh, land at the, the airport there in Port-au-Prince and, and go in and talk to uh, some of the... Um, probably Red Cross. I don't remember exactly who it was there, but they're, you know, like senior Haitian officials and all that kind of stuff to try to try tell them, okay, you know, we're here. We're going to do what we can. You know, what do you got? What do you know? And, uh, and then, and then we just start for days just going nonstop, just, you know, support, support, bringing in food and water, transporting, you know, seriously injured people to, to mobile hospitals on the ground, and then like the really bad, we'd take them out a couple days later. One of the uh, hospital ships, the Mercy, shows up, you know. So, uh, so we start taking people out to the Mercy. At any uh, time, were you guys flying anybody into your ship? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, we would, we would, because we have you know hospital facilities on those ships as well. Of course. Um, so okay. we would, yeah. So we were taking. Uh, we were talking to somebody on the radio, I can't remember, and they would tell us like, okay, go to the mercy, go to go to here, whatever, you know. So it got it got pretty well coordinated. Um, you know, so so positive, that was awesome. Like we were literally, you know, saving lives and 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 you know, doing the most humanitarian thing that you could do. Uh, but also the negative, the most negative thing, um, you know, so they're there are some experiences there that I still am, have tried to process. I'm still trying to process, uh, process some of those that, uh, 
you know, things that if, if something is going to, at this point, give me a nightmare, uh, you know, it's from, it's from there. And I've, you know, witnessed people getting blown out of the sky in a helicopter in Iraq. Um, it's like flying next to you and yeah. Yeah. So I was, so a helicopter took, yeah, it's a long story, but I was supposed to be leading a flight of two helicopters around something went wrong on mine. So I was delayed. And so the other helicopter took off before me oh. and got blown out of the sky. That's the yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but on this, this one, um, one thing that I will talk about uh, that, that is that I, you know, I'll never forget was, um, we get a call. We're already, we're already in Haiti. We're probably, I think we're on the ground at Port-au-Prince there, uh, you know, trying to get the, the game plan for where we're going and what we're doing and, and, uh, uh, get a call. Uh, over the radio, like, okay, we're sending in some PJs, Air Force, pararescue men that are, you know, highly trained medical and a, and an Air Force doc. And, and, uh, and you need to go to this, to this lat long, uh, and you need to go ASAP. Like, all right. So we get, so the PJ gets in and the, uh, the Air Force doc gets in who I, you know, had flown around a few times before. And, uh, so he kind of tells me, updates me like what's going on. There was, some people that had been stuck out in a rural area for, for a few days, really, really bad condition. Um, like, and okay, we gotta, we gotta go. And, uh, so we, we take off and it's, you know, it was probably about a, I don't know, maybe a 30 minute flight North. Um, you know, so we're, we're flying as fast as we can to get up there and we land and, uh, get on the ground and the PJ and the doc, go out and one of my, my, uh, my crew chief goes out and, uh, and they come in, um, you know, and there's this, this mother, they're just losing it, sobbing, you know, it was just really bad. And, uh, on a stretcher, they're bringing in a, uh, a kid and I'll never forget. I look down, you know, I'm in the right seat and they're bringing them in on this side of the helicopter. And I remember, you know, I'm looking down, doing some stuff, uh, prepping to figure out the route, how we're going to get back. And then I just see out of the corner of my eye, people coming in and I look down and this kid and, you know, I look at this kid and it, the kid's the same age as my younger son who was back home at the time, yeah. you know, and I'd look down and that's all I saw was, you know, I look down and it's like, okay, that's like, that could have been my kid. That could be my kid, you know, same age. And, uh, and wrong place, uh, wrong time. Yeah, and uh, so the uh, crew chief comes back on the intercom. He's like, "Hey, sir, we gotta go. Like, snap fast. out of it. Like, let's go. We we gotta we gotta get you know as fast as you can, and we gotta go. And uh, so get up, Roger. All right, get up, and we're just flying, exceeding limits that were you know for the engines to go. But you know, it's like we gotta go. And uh, so we get. We're about. 20 minutes of a uh, probably a 35, 40 minute flight to get to, we were going to the hospital ship and flying and, you know, coordinating on the radios and all. And then the crew chief comes over the intercom and is like, Hey, sir, you can slow down. Oh man. Yeah. And uh, 
So yeah, that Fuck. was yeah. And so And that and obviously you don't get trained for that. No. And so, you know, so the kid passes in the back and you know, we get um we still go to the hospital ship. There's a couple of other people came on the aircraft as well. You know, but I, I'll never forget un, them unloading the aircraft and seeing the kid on there past and the kid's mom just, you know, obviously losing it. And, uh, yeah, so that's it's, it's something al- I'll never forget. And that's, it's always, you know. it's, it's always difficult. Like, like it's amazing how many children get mistreated or abused and, it, and it's always the worst story, but a children's deaths. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. So, and then, you know, there's another scenario a few days later up on a hilltop. So after this, you know, there was no real law there and uh, gangs kind of started taking over and and uh yeah so i i, I took a, a large yeah, group because the legal infrastructure is broken it's gone yeah uh so i i uh, yeah this and then this is the one that kind of sticks it's the worst one so i'm not going to go to it you know so we end up taking a bunch of army rangers up to this one area firefight breaks out gets really 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 nasty and you're like fuck we're in haiti we're supposed to be saving shit and like a all-out fucking firefight is going on and uh nobody knows about it you know it's just like you know that's that that shit's not on the news um you know so anyway so that whole haiti thing that was uh positive and negative you know it was uh you know it was you know i'm glad i did it but sometimes i wish i didn't this this next question goes together with everything. Uh, how how did your time in the military shape your perspective of on life and the world around you? You know, I mean, I think my personality even before going in the military was a little bit different than most. Uh, you know, I think I have a different different outlook on life, priorities. Um, you know, things that things that make me happy, things that don't, and. Uh, um, but I think after 20 years in the military and seeing everything that I saw, uh, I just, you know, you realize you, and this is going to sound stupid. It's going to sound cliche, like, but you realize life is short. Like there were many times, you know, I was this fucking close to not being here, you know, aircraft by me getting blown out of the sky, uh, the older aircraft that I used to fly, uh, notoriously unreliable uh, aircraft, engines failed. I'm in the water, in the ocean, off the coast of Camp Pendleton, losing an engine, trying to keep trying to keep everything together and get the aircraft out of the water and come back, you know, come back and land. Fires in the aircraft, um, you know, so you you gain a new perspective on life when when you have literally seen your life flash bef- you know before your eyes a few times you know and i know lots of guys in combat that have seen way worse uh you know so i'm not trying to say that but you don't have to see but, way worse man but it's you know when you when you you know, come back from a flight and you're like, Jesus Christ, like that was, you know, like we used to joke. So, you know, you're in, you're in 
very intense, stressful scenarios constantly. And you start to, at least I did. I mean, some of us, we would get, we, we picked up like a really dark sense of humor. And so one of the jokes that we would say all the time is, uh, you know, we're going out on a flight and uh, I was saying, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, what could go wrong? And, uh, and if it's really bad, it's like, well, you know, tonight might be the night where the, where the families win the SGLI sweepstakes. So the SGLI is the life insurance, uh, life insurance stuff that if you you, eat shit, uh, you know, family gets paid off. And so that was our joke was like, all right, well this tonight might be the, uh, the night they win the SGLI sweepstakes and everybody would laugh and it's, you know, dark, pretty sick humor. But what the uh, fuck are you gonna do? Are yeah, you gonna but paranoid? you're still gonna go. I, I mean, yeah, we we do the sense of humor on the fucking motorcycles right. all like. the time. Same shit, you know. So it's like you know, what are you gonna, you're not gonna go. Of course you're gonna go, and you're gonna go do it. And um, so, um, you know, so after after I retired and was done, and and uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure figure things out. You know, I'll be honest. That's been, you know, a, a huge struggle. Um, for me internally with family and, and friends outside of the military that, that don't really understand the impact that all that has. And, and so when I say, you know, to people that don't, that don't know, like, you know, like, Hey, this isn't a big deal or like, you know, that, you know, getting that massive house on the Hill isn't, you know, for me, isn't a priority, you know, like, yeah. I'm fucking lucky to be here. I am stoked to be here and I'm going to make the absolute best out of the time that I have left. And, you know, if you don't like it, you know, sorry. 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 I'm not here to please you. Yeah. Socrates, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Socrates is, um, and it's been being posted a lot lately, but it's, um, and now I can't even word it properly, but it was something along the lines of you live two lives. Yeah. And you start living the second one when you realize you only have, have one. one left. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's not one left, only one. That's you're it. like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's true. You get to an age where you're like, wait, look at all this. Sh- I'm so appreciative. Yeah. And it's hard. It, it's, it's, uh, with, with the social, with, with all the noise. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into the social media. Is, with all the noise going on, it's really hard to appreciate what you have in front of you. It is. Yeah. You know, to, to look at the people next to you and, I know, I know rich people, I know poor people, I know broke people, I know drunks, I know druggies, and it's like everybody has something, man. Yeah. Everybody. It's just how you deal with it. That's it. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I decided years ago, like, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to do what I think I need to do to, to make the best of what I have. And, and, uh, you know, so I, I just don't sit still. Because you, you never fucking know. You never know. Well, you know? Uh, uh, so uh, my grandfather would say the only requirement to die is to be alive. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, 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 you know, the example would be how many times have you heard, not how many times, but a similar story of the Olympian woman that's never smoked in her life, has won gold medals and dies from lung cancer. Right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. What were the chances? Yeah. You know, or right now we were at Cold Springs Tavern. And with all the crazy writing over there and all the crazy, crazy scenarios, you know, we're, we're on the side of the road cause it's packed and, and a guy runs towards us and says, guys move off the street. 
you know, people have died. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. imagine. Like, right. You get fucking. Right. From after just all standing, that shit. After all that. After standing on the side of the did road. Did you just see what we just did? You right. Know, and you get fucking knocked out. Yeah. So, yeah. That, uh, yeah. It has definitely changed my outlook on life. No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. What led you to start creating memes? Yeah. And how did you become known as the... Yeah. Papa Juan, Papa King, you know, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. The meme I, King. I, I, I um, so we of, talked about this before. We did, yeah. But yeah. trust me, so these like episodes keep going. A year and a half ago or something like that. It's yeah. it's over the holidays. I'm just sitting around. I'm like, hey, I love writing. Like, you know, I want to kind of go all in and, and uh, you know, just kind of see where, see where this goes. And, uh, and I just... Like on a whim one day, so I, I see something, I see a picture and it reminds me of something else. And I just kind of put it together and I post it and, you know, it just starts kind of, you know, it's really funny. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, that was kind of funny. That's fun. You know, so I make a few more and then it just starts, just starts going crazy. And, uh, and, you know, so I start posting, uh, yeah, I just start making them and, you know, it just, it, it blew me away at how how much people enjoyed those. I mean, the page went insane. You know, like yeah. I mean, I it it the page blew up. It was crazy, and and the response uh, the response that I've that I've received has been very humbling. You know, I'll I'll go places and people are like hey, Juan, you know follow you. It's great to meet you, and and uh, I mean, it's it's a humbling. Very humbling experience to have people that uh, that will come up to you and like, hey, you know, this stuff is it's hilarious. And then, you know, last year I decided, you know, I was really going through going through some stuff and and uh, trying to figure trying to figure things out. And um, you know, I just started to I d- I made a decision like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start opening up about some more personal things because I, I I remember like I touched on a few things and I got a huge response back from from uh, guys that have been in the military and and kind of dealing with some PTSD stuff and huge you know response back like hey you know and this is gonna sound ridiculous I hate even hearing it come out of my mouth but people have said like you know if if somebody like you is going through that and able to do what you're doing. And, you know, like that inspires me to, to keep pushing, you know, and that was like, fuck, like that's a, you know, that's a big deal. Um, Breakthrough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of, I kind of embraced it and, and went pretty deep on a few things. And, and, uh, and yeah, I had a guy, I had a guy reach out to me. He'd been reaching out, a few times and, and, uh, you know, I could tell things were a little off, you know, with this guy, the tone was a little off. Uh, you know, some of the comments would be like, I get the dark humor, you know, I get it. And, but I can tell, you know, like the guy wasn't doing well. And, uh, I remember I get a, I get a message one night and the guys, you know, like, Hey man, I'm not in a good place. I've got a gun. Um, I think I'm gonna, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna end it tonight. And so long story short, I just stay on, you know, talking with the guy for hours all night and we kind of work through it and, and, uh, he's doing good now, you know, so that, 
That's amazing. That kind of told me like, okay, like, you know, going down this personal, sharing this personal stuff is, has had an impact. And, and if it's, you know, I know it's had an impact on one person, so that's it. You know, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it was a very, very humbling, very pleasing experience. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Save, so saving I, saving a person's life. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So I embrace it. It's fun. I just, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's, it cha- it changes your mood too. I mean, like in, in a sense, you're 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 a comic. Yeah. You know, you're you're a meme comic, and dude, memes, memes, reviews, and comments are fucking hilarious, yeah. man. The stuff that people create. Yeah. I was watching one where it was Michael Scott from The Office. Mm-hmm. Talking about like bros before hoes and blah, 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 yeah. blah. But it's like an emotional thing. Yeah. And somebody in the comment wrote, what movie is this? The comments, <laughs> right, like, are dude, you the have? comments are yeah. fucking, like people started yeah. making up movies. Like yeah. it's called The Breakup Part 2 or like it's your mom, bitch. Like, right. Yeah. You know, but like there was some, I can't even remember the creative ones because they were so creative. I'm like, dude. Yeah. This is it's funny. It's, it is it's comedy. It is, and it makes me laugh. And that's really and, and, and when it, I first started doing it. I'm like, look, if nobody likes these, whatever, I don't care. Cares? It's making me laugh. It's funny. It's lightening the mood. Uh, you know, I used to say early on when when this thing started to kind of take off, I'm like, I'm like, look, we in this motorcycle, especially Harley community, we take ourselves way too serious. You know, like, dude, it's a fucking motorcycle. Like, you know. You should go ride it. You don't want to ride it, whatever. But like we take ourselves way too serious. So that's, you know, being able to kind of poke fun at, at you know, the lifestyle and, and the ridiculous level of seriousness that we uh, as a community put on this stuff. I, it just makes me laugh. Yeah. And it makes most people laugh, too. Absolutely. Uh, how do you come up with these memes and what's the creative process? Like? I... I will just be scrolling through the internet and I'll see a picture like or, or a video clip or something. And it just, you know, it just triggers something in my head. Like, you know, that is this, like, uh, you know, so it, it's, I don't, I don't set out with a goal of like, okay, today I want to make stuff to make fun of people that don't cross state lines. It's not, you know, it's not it. I will just be scrolling through and see something that, you know, just makes me think of that. And I will, and it doesn't take me, you know, it takes me like a minute to. Well, that's, to, that's because you've developed it. the skill and the practice. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I can do it right now, but yeah. it'll, it'll probably take me 10, 15, 20 minutes. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, this is fucking dumb. <laughs> right. But by like the hundredth time that I do, it, it's like yeah. no, a minute. Yeah. So it's, uh, so yeah, there's no, I don't know. It just, I see something like that's funny and I just put it together and that's so funny. And the, 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 the most random thing is there'll be some, a lot of the memes that really just really took off like crazy. I, when I posted them, sometimes I'm thinking in my head like, oh, this is trash, but you know, I need to, I need to post something. So I put it out there. And some of those trash quote unquote trash ones are like the funniest ones, apparently the funniest ones out there. So uh, yeah, that's always the case. Yeah. That's like, always the case. Yeah. How do you balance humor and satire with respect for serious topics or current events in your memes? I, you know, I, I, I am trying to just be funny and trying to make light of 
topics that we take way too serious. And, and, you know, there were a few times early on when I was like, ah, I don't know, this might, you know, ruffle some feathers, probably should, and I put it out there anyway. And, and, um, you know, so I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to be mean. Like I, I, it's funny. <laughs> so I remember, I don't remember what the occasion was, but somebody took like a screenshot of me and, and some YouTube thing show that I was on or something. And it, and, uh, it wasn't the most flattering screenshot, you know, and they made kind of a meme about it, posted it. And, uh, and, uh, I saw it. And at first I was, I was pissed off. I was going to, I was going to retaliate, yeah. you know, and, and just like, you know, I could destroy um, this. What was, oh, <laughs> Something, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. Sorry for the delay. And uh, I, and then I was like, no, no. So I decided, I just behind the scenes, I sent I sent the guy a DM. I'm like, look, man, like, look, this isn't this isn't the most flattering, you know. And let me help you with something. Like, if if you're making, if you're trying to 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 benefit off of of something negative or being mean to about somebody or being mean to somebody um you know that that's not going to that's not going to play you know the, there there is a section of people out there that are not fans of mine and I'm sure would eat it up and you know but it's not you know it's not going to go anywhere and and uh you know the the whole point of these memes is to make light make everybody laugh you know I don't I don't I don't make fun of one person in general. Like one person might yeah, inspire. You don't target somebody. Yeah, I don't yeah. target somebody. You know, somebody or something may inspire, uh, you know, some jokes, but I will, you know, I'm not. Going yeah, but to. yours is more around an event will inspire a joke. Yeah. You're not targeting an individual yeah. and saying. And, uh, and so the guy came right back. He's like, oh, man, I never really thought of it that way. Uh, well, that's you cool. Know, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm like, hey, dude, don't be sorry. Like, leave it up. Take it. I don't care. Just I want you to understand, you know, how this how this works and how this looks and how this plays out. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, so that's what well, th- first of all, that's awesome. The way you handled it. Yeah. That's even more awesome that he responded in that fa- in that yeah. way. Because yeah. people be like, oh, give fuck. right. Exactly. And if he did that, then I would have just unleashed fucking oh, yeah. armageddon on him and and yeah. you know ruined him because i feel like there's more to this story man. i feel like you sent them like a picture of his mom taking not a shower like hey bro just by the way yeah it could not you cool know. but here check this right. out yeah no, I, I was ready <laughs> i i was ready for sure um <laughs> what is next for you and your career both in terms of well military's yeah military's done out, but you it looks like you're gonna help out and be involved with people in military. So I guess not completely. Yeah. And social media presence. What's the goal there? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of continuing with the meme stuff. I've kind of slowed down a little bit there for a while. I mean, I was posting, you know, four, four or five a day and, uh, you know, I've got other things going on personal life that, that are very important, uh, very important to me. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm focusing on, I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance things a lot more, Um, you know, so it's still a lot of fun. I love doing it uh, and I'm so I'm not going to stop doing it. 
but I'm, I, I am trying to find a, a better balance of it. Uh, you know, career-wise, I was on the board uh, for a very large charitable fund out of Rancho Santa Fe down in San Diego that had a, a military-specific centric portion of it. And so I was on the board of directors for this organization, and, and we would we would take in um, requests for funding uh, and review all of this, and and uh, and then decide where you know what we were going to fund. And and part of this, um, yeah, it was a huge, ridiculously huge fund uh, where people would just you know donate money, and they could either. You know, just donating to this fund was a 501c3 thing. So they could take the, you know, they can take the tax benefit right away or they can set it up to where, you know, they wanted to have a say in where money was going. And, and um, you know, so we would get, we would get a portion of the overall fund to this military specific fund. And then, and then we would, you know, we would process this stuff. And, and for years, uh, for a few years, I was very active in that. I realized, you know, I know my personality. I'm not, I'm not going to go stand in a soup kitchen line. That's just not, yeah. It's just not my personality. There's people that like, have that personality. Yeah, and I just, you know, I have a, a pretty decent business background, and you know, in finance, I've got an MBA with an em- emphasis in finance. You know, so I like I understand money and where it can be used and how it can be used better uh so i was like hey this this just makes sense to me and so i did that for a few years was very active in that and this 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 year uh you know i started kind of think about it a few months ago like you know am i have i offered have i done everything i can do for that organization and i was like i'll put it on the back burner and then the process just recently started about two weeks ago the the you know, the season for this started up and I just kind of looked at it and was like, you know what, I think I've, I think I've let that run its course. Uh, you know, I feel like I made uh, a good impact there. And, uh, so I actually just resigned from there, uh, two, two days ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. So on to, on to other things, you know, my real estate business is still doing, very well that's honestly what funds me going and fucking off for three weeks riding around the country and doing what i do just back from two weeks of travel in europe um you know so i've got that business set up you know no pun intended kind of on autopilot uh it works really well and it pays enough and i work enough to to be content doing it and make enough to be content you know where i sit financially and and uh, you know, work a solid three months out of the year, and uh, and then go do go do what one wants to do. Um, Kick ass, so, and eat pussy so it works. <laughs> it works. It works out really well. So uh, I don't I don't see myself changing that. Uh, you know, the real estate stuff anytime soon. It's just too. Frankly, the money's good. The schedule is a hundred percent on you know on me. And uh, I don't go out of my way to find clients. They just, you know, my phone rings. I answer it. And, and if it's something that I want to take on, I take it on. If I don't, then I don't and just move on. So uh, that's awesome. So I don't see that. I don't see 
any huge changes going with that. I mentioned a little while ago, like I was kicking around the idea of, of being an airline pilot. And, and I just realized like, there's no way I'm not going to be tied up. Somebody else making my schedule. Like I'm too old for that. I've done too much. Like, no, dude, I heard the most, I, I was at, um, at an upscale event, like really ridiculous upscale event. Like, like fuck these people. Right. Yeah. And one person's like, oh, my son's a pilot for blah, 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 yeah. airlines. And the other one says, uh, oh, he's a air taxi driver. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 It's funny you mentioned that because when I, when I, I'm sure I told you last time. You did yeah, mention yeah, yeah. that, but I, it's, and I may have told you the same story, uh, <laughs> but I remember like shortly after I got my wings and I'm flying, you know, family members and some friends were like, you know, like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, you're, like, you know, you're a naval aviator, all this stuff. And I look at them, I'm like, my family is just, you know, a bunch of rednecks from the East County of San Diego. <laughs> Truck drivers yeah. and, you know, just, uh, and I looked at a couple of my uncles that were making a big deal about it. And I, I, and I, and I said, I said, man, I'm just a fucking truck driver in the sky. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing anything different than what you're doing day to day. You know, it's not that big a deal. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. But yeah, just it's taxi driver, it's, truck it's driver, and the sky, whatever. Um, this, real quick, I want, I want to hear about your trip. We'll end with your, your trip that you're planning. Yeah. Uh, but real quick, uh, I had this write up some facts, some mm -hmm. fun facts. And... This number two and three were interesting. So number two is the Navy helicopter pilot program is one of the most competitive and selective in the military with uh, the physical and mental requirements. Yeah. So it, 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 it's a huge deal. It is. It's a huge deal because you kind of made it sound pretty. Eh. And then this fact, tell me if, if this is true. The Navy's MH-60S Seahawk. Mm -hmm. Is that what you flew? Uh, one of the variations. That one I flew, of the variations. Yeah. Mm-hmm can carry up to 16 passengers and fly of speeds of 180 knots? Um, 180 knot, no. On a good day, downhill with a tailwind, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, it's typical. If it's, Not with the 16 passengers. Right, yeah. Just, so if you are completely empty, you're at sea level, it's nice and cool out, you know, you, we might, you might be able to get up to 160 or something like that, you know. But, I mean, when we're, you know, when we were in Iraq, it's 100, 120 degrees and we're loaded up, you know, like 120 was like fucking pushing it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, very, very capable, very powerful helicopters. I mean, they're the gross weight. It's 16 passengers? Yeah. Well, yeah, not seats for everybody. So right. in that in that setup, so when we would go do uh, a direct action mission in Iraq, there's no seats in the back. Uh, you know, and so we, we would literally just pile in green berets or seals or whatever, and they would just kind of pile in and kind of line up, you know, sit kind of, you know, nut to butt uh, in the back of the helicopter. And, yeah, we would have uh, 10 to 12 uh, shooters in the back and then two, uh, two gunners in the back as well. So, yeah, you can... You can cram quite a few people in there. It's, it's fucking it's, insane. Yeah, but, you know. Um, and then, again, just two more fun facts. Uh, the first motorcycle was invented in, do you know? I have no idea. In Germany, 1885, <laughs> and it looked more like a motorized bicycle yeah. than a sleek design. Yeah. 
Fact number five, Harley-Davidson was the most iconic motorcycle brand founded in 1903. Everybody knows. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't mess that up. Yeah, imagine. Cut that out. <laughs> right. This was the fifth take, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got it right. Uh, and then the rest is just bullshit. Yeah. Um, Let's end it with uh, with your trip. You yeah. got an amazing trip coming. Yeah, up. I'm super excited about it. Tell so me who's well, who's involved and, and what the trip doing, consists of. Uh, so we are doing a three week, eight thousand ish mile, uh, coast to coast to coast trip. Um, so some some buddies. Uh, uh, so Roji, the guy that runs uh, or was founder of Black Flies. Uh, Jerry, the goo is going, uh, Seth Enslow, legendary, um, stunt bike rider and, and, uh, dirt bike rider, super, super popular. And, uh, and the two thousands like broke one of evil Knievel's records, just like insane, super mellow now, by the way, uh, super grounded, super mellow now, um, uh, and then Greg Smith, amazing human being, uh, and Matt. So there's six of us going. Uh, we leave next a week from today um, from Orange County, and uh, we are going. the The original motivation to go is is to get to the Poconos in Pennsylvania for the Lost Highway Rally. Um, so Jonathan is the uh, the guy that's got that rally started, he used to be very, uh, very integral in the um, Four Corners rally in Durango, moved to the East Coast, and, and so now he's got this one going. So that was the original motivation to get out there. So, of course, we're not going to go all the way out to the East Coast, just there and back. We're going we're gonna to make a real trip out of it. Uh, so we are going uh, from Orange County. We're going through uh, New Mexico. Um, through Texas, Oklahoma, touching like the north end of Alabama, and then into Tennessee, doing all those amazing rides, Tale of the Dragon, and I don't even know what else. You know, all of that amazing stuff going up uh, Salmon, through the Salmon's, um, the Salmon River. That's, Salmon that's River at the when end. You come back. Yeah, uh, so we end up so so we get to we get to Poconos. I think in three to four days or something like that. We're going to hang out there for a few days. Super excited about that rally. Like Leonard Skinner and some huge, yeah, fun names. Leonard Skinner or Leonard Skinner cover band? Leonard Skinner. Yeah, I mean, mean, obviously we know the the last surviving member just passed this last year, but still, like, they're amazing. It's rad. of course. Um, Favorite Leonard Skinner song? I've got uh, Simple Man. Simple Man? Simple Man. I, I like uh, this that smell. uh, That's a good one. (laughs) When you're drinking whiskey, dude, that's that's a good one. Uh, so from there up, uh, up New York, through right? New York city, uh, there's, I guess a spot where you can park the bikes and get a picture with the, with the, uh, Statue of Liberty in the background, uh, and then continue up, up North to Vermont. I think Vermont is as far North as we're going and then back, start coming back West through, uh, Detroit, through right? Detroit, uh, to the Ford museum, Milwaukee to the Harley Museum and then into Sturgis, Deadwood, technically. Uh, there's another rally there. I forget the name of it, uh, but there's another rally there at the time, just kind of a coincidence. So we're going to hang out there for a few days, uh, 
spend some time with uh, some friends there in that in that area, and then across Deadwood Three Wheeler right Rally. I don't remember the name of it off the top. It's it's got to be like at the end of kind of later May, and it's in Deadwood because we've got a we got this amazing house like right there on Main Street in Deadwood uh, that we'll be staying at. Uh, and then across, so while we're in Sturgis, Deadwood area, do all the super cool rides, the go see Mount Rushmore, all the, you know, all the typical stuff. And it won't be nearly as crowded uh, as, you know, normal Sturgis time. So we'll be able to take full advantage of all of that stuff. Uh, and then across through Wyoming, Montana, uh, across Idaho, a little bit of Oregon, down through Nevada and uh, Northern California, and then take the coast down uh, down California and end at the Live Fast Rally out there in like the Solvang Solvang area. And uh, super excited! So three that weeks, helps. it's going to end. Uh, we're basically done June fourth, so we leave on May twelfth. Back in SoCal, June fourth. My 51st birthday is oh, June you look 5th. great, man. Thanks, man. And you lost a lot of weight since last I time. Did, you were yeah. I, I, I have to say, I said it privately, but I have to say, yeah, feel, you said 30 pounds? Yeah, about 30 pounds, yeah. Fucking insane, man. Feel, feel, what, much, a, feel any much better. Exercise, food, nothing. Stop drinking. Nothing. Yeah. So that was like, so I, I didn't drink for probably about four months or so. So that was kind of the, the, the kickstart, I think, that got everything cleansed out. Yeah, cleansed out, got the weight you know, going off and then, you know, just five, six, sometimes seven days a week, just, and just go, you know, there's yeah. no, no excuse not to go, uh, eating better. I mean, go I'm not gym working out. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I don't have some crazy diet. I just, you know, I just try to avoid things that I shouldn't eat. And if I have a craving for something, I'm going to eat it, but I'm just not going to eat a whole bunch of it, you know, portion yeah. control. So nothing, nothing crazy. Just, you know, just stop eating bullshit. Yeah, just stop eating bullshit. Stop, stop fucking you know? around. Yeah, drinking beer at home and stupid shit like that. So, uh, uh, so yeah, so I'm super excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, you know, eight thousand miles on the road. Yeah, you know. dude. Number one, uh, thank you for the services you provide to this country. Appreciate number it. two, thank you for fucking making it out here. Yeah, I love the fact that you were posting on your social media. Uh, another point that I want to bring out is you, you remind me you did this last time and, and, and you do it through your whole social media career or yeah. hobby. Uh, you're very personal. Yeah. And, and, and I, I make these, I think I make some kick-ass videos, yeah. but they're not personalized. I'm not in them. I'm not explaining yeah. it. I'm not talking about it. Yeah. You know, like everybody's making cool videos. Right. You know, like, oh, all right, cool. You know, yeah. oh, you made a cool video of a cop. Yeah. There's a million of those. Right. <laughs> Uh, you you reminded me that it's it's about that personal touch. It is, yeah. You know, uh, and then my other point is, I'm super excited about your trip. Yeah, uh, we can follow you absolutely on what, 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 at at Papa, Papa at Papa Juan, Juan El Gallo. Is it Papa Juan underscore El Gallo? No. Uh, Papa, I don't remember where the <laughs> you don't on. you don't Instagram yourself. I well, I don't remember where the underscore is at. Let me uh, let me just make sure. Yeah, put that on the underscore, and I think it's so fucking ass kicking that you have Papa underscore Juan underscore El Gallo. Okay, yeah. but so yeah, so I'll, I'll be, yeah, posting. it'll be in the, I'll be, yeah, I'll be posting nonstop. 
Uh, that whole trip. The fact that you have five other buddies doing this trip with yeah. you, that's that's solid, bro. Yeah, that's a, that's a good life, man. It is. It really is. Thank you, Papa Juan. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. And then good again, time. we'll do this. We talk about we'll it. it. We, we, this was kind of a, a better recap of knowing each other from the first one. Absolutely. And the third one's even going to be better, and we can jump out of category, That's and then it. we can invite more people, I'm whatever you want. I'm looking forward bro. to it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, actually, I think uh, I'll have you on as soon as you get back. Yeah. I dig it. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.